everyone and welcome to Chill Pill. My name is Emma Ives and I am the creator slash host of this fabulous podcast. I created this podcast since I love all things medicine. I love reading about it. I love talking about it. And my roommates were getting kind of sick and tired of hearing about it. I'm not a medical professional, so I'll never give any advice on the medical stuff. Please seek out your primary care physician for advice. I will link all my sources in the description as well as mention them throughout the podcast. And welcome back. We're at the point where it's been almost an entire year in quarantine, and that's crazy to think about. I studied and took the PCAT, I interviewed and toured pharmacy programs, and I celebrated my second birthday, all while in quarantine. Speaking of pharmacy schools, I'm excited to announce that I've accepted an offer from the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, so I guess that means I'm a Tar Heel now. Don't worry, OSU, I'll forever be a Buckeye, but I'm excited about the new experiences I'm about to have in North Carolina, and more opportunities to meet new future pharmacists like me, as well as new potential guests. Since the beginning of the pandemic, worldwide, 125 million people have had COVID. In the U.S. alone, there have been 30 million cases and 546,931 deaths, according to the data provided to the New York Times at time of recording. However, there is hope. In the U.S., we have three vaccines approved and in circulation, the two-dose Pfizer and Moderna vaccines and the one-dose Johnson & Johnson vaccine. On March 26, 89.6 million people in the U.S. have received one dose, with an average of 2.6 million doses on any given day. It is still a long way to go to vaccinate 70 to 90 percent of the population. Experts have determined this to be the number of people vaccinated to achieve herd immunity. And according to the data provided by the New York Times, we're on track to have 70% of people vaccinated by June 19th and 90% by July 23rd. In Ohio, Governor DeWine announced that on March 29th, all Ohioans 16 and older will be able to get the Pfizer vaccine, while 18 and older can receive any of the available options. This is weeks ahead of President Biden's goal of everyone being eligible to receive the vaccine by May 1st. So, my fellow OSU students, I encourage everyone who is eligible to receive the vaccine to get it. So, some basic immunology surrounding COVID-19. COVID-19, or SARS-CoV-2, comes from the coronavirus family. Most of the time, these viruses circulate in animal populations, such as pigs, camels, bats, and cats. Viruses, not just from the coronavirus family, can jump species. Sometimes, humans are just not a viable host, and the virus doesn't move through the human population. However, sometimes these viruses jump and take hold in a human host, and this is what is known as a spillover event. It is believed the COVID-19 pandemic started as a spillover event that quickly spread throughout the population. COVID-19 is not the only coronavirus to have caused a global health crisis in this century. SARS in 2002 and MERS in 2012 both came from this family of viruses and spread to 27 different countries. Just like human families, families of viruses are grouped together because they have similar characteristics. In fact, COVID-19 research was able to build on the information gathered during both SARS and MERS outbreaks due to their similarities. Coronaviruses have a single-stranded RNA genome inside of a spherical capsid with spike proteins that look like small clubs on the outside. This causes the virus to look like a small sun underneath electron microscopy, hence the name corona. Sometimes scientists aren't entirely creative when it comes to naming. These spike proteins are how coronavirus enters the cell and infects the rest of the body. It first enters through the mouth, nose, or eyes and makes its way to the airway. There, it attaches to the ACE2 receptor protein. 
the outside of our cells are covered with receptor proteins that respond to different stimuli. These receptor proteins are like the lock of the cell. Only the correct key will fit into the lock and allow entry into the cell. The spike proteins on COVID-19 are so similar to the key for the ACE2 receptor protein that it has no issue unlocking the cell. The capsid surrounding the RNA genome fuses with the membrane of our cells and dumps its viral RNA into the cell. RNA is something we normally have in ourselves. It is how we're able to turn instructions from our DNA into proteins that we need. We do this using ribosomes, which are also in our cells, and they read the RNA and add the correct protein based on the code in the RNA. Ribosomes do not distinguish COVID RNA from our own RNA. It will read and translate any RNA it finds. The COVID RNA gets read and the ribosome begins to make viral proteins. These proteins keep the immune system at bay and create parts to make more coronaviruses. The new coronaviruses are assembled and released from the cell to infect more cells or even end up in droplets that leave the body. Eventually, the cell begins to break down and dies, but only after it has made millions of copies of the virus. There are three approved vaccines in the U.S. Two of the vaccines, Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna, are both mRNA-based vaccines. The vaccine contains mRNA that has instructions for making the COVID spike protein. This mRNA is protected in a lipid sphere so the cell doesn't immediately destroy it. These spheres fuse with cell membranes and release the mRNA to be translated by ribosomes, similar to how COVID enters the cell normally. The protein coded for is the viral spike portion of the virus. It is non-infectious, as it is only the key that allows COVID to enter and infect cells. After so many proteins are made, the cell destroys the mRNA with the instructions to make the viral spike proteins. The cell then presents the spikes on the surface of the cell to be recognized by our immune system. When the cell dies, as cells normally do in our body, the spike proteins covered the cell will be taken up by something called the antigen-presenting cell. This cell recognizes that something about these proteins is not quite right, so it makes its way to another immune system cell, the T-helper cell. This T-helper cell detects these cells and realizes this material is foreign. It raises the alarm for the rest of the immune system to prepare to deal with a potential invader. The helper T-cell activates B-cells, which make antibodies. These antibodies lock on to any viral spike proteins it comes in contact with. This is like putting clay on the top of your key. It no longer fits in the lock and therefore cannot enter the cell. These antibodies also mark the virus for destruction by the immune system. The antigen-presenting cell, which detected the spike proteins in the first place, activates cells called killer T-cells, which, as the name implies, seek out and destroy any cell that presents the spike protein. Moderna and Pfizer both require a booster shot after the original shot. This is to prime the immune system and make sure that it has successfully learned how to recognize and kill the virus. Our immune system has a memory bank in the form of memory B cells and memory T cells, which remembers what the viral spike protein looks like and thereby what coronavirus looks like, and how to create antibodies to combat the viral intruder. Pfizer BioNTech has a 95% efficacy rate in protecting against COVID, while Moderna has a 94.1% efficacy rate. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine differs from both Moderna and Pfizer in that it uses a more traditional form of virus-based technology. The biggest difference is the delivery mechanism of the instructions to the immune system. 
Instead of storing the instructions inside of mRNA, the instructions for the spike protein are stored in DNA, which are packaged into a adenovirus. I know that sounds bad. Adenoviruses normally cause cold or flu symptoms, but viruses are very good at injecting genetic material into other cells. The adenovirus used in the Johnson & Johnson vaccine does not have any of its infectious DNA, so it won't replicate itself within the cell. Essentially, it's just the transport mechanism. Once injected into the body, it bumps into the cell and is engulfed into a little bubble. The adenovirus then escapes from this bubble, travels to the nucleus where it releases the DNA. This DNA is read and copied into mRNA, and then the process is similar to Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, where the mRNA is translated into viral spike proteins, and these spike proteins are picked up by the immune system, and an immune response is mounted to produce antibodies. Compared to Moderna and Pfizer, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine only has a 72% efficacy rate in the U.S. It also has a lower success in areas where there are more COVID variants. I know that doesn't sound like a lot because we have gotten so lucky with the protection conferred by Moderna and Pfizer. However, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has several advantages. One, it's 85% effective in preventing hospitalizations and death due to severe cases of COVID. Two, it's hardier than either Moderna or Pfizer. DNA is less fragile than RNA, and the adenovirus shell helps protect the genetic material. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine does not need to be stored in cold storage units and can essentially be refrigerated for months and remain stable. This makes it more accessible to rural areas and areas without proper cold storage units. And three, it's one shot. No need to follow up with patients for a second dose. It is easier to give to more people to make sure they gain some immunity in a shorter period of time. should you get vaccinated for COVID? Well, first off, a vaccine will keep you from getting COVID. The three vaccines available have been shown through clinical trials to be effective in preventing COVID. It is also the safer way to build COVID protection. Sure, you can build immunity from getting COVID. The current evidence shows that it is uncommon to be reinfected with COVID 90 days after initial infection. But experts don't know how long the immunity conferred will last which is why it's suggested that even if you've had COVID, you should still be vaccinated. Experts say that immunity conferred via natural infection is unpredictable. After a mild COVID infection, for example, antibodies were present for about six months afterwards. But asymptomatic patients made less antibodies than those that felt really sick. If you get reinfected with COVID but are asymptomatic the second time around, you could unintentionally spread the virus to others around you. With the vaccine, you gain immunity and maybe feel a little unwell for about two days to compare to having COVID and feeling sick for a number of days. Those who are unable to receive the vaccine rely on herd immunity to stay safe and healthy. If we reach 90% vaccination, we can confer this protection to those people and get back to seeing people in public, going to school, seeing concerts, watching shows, and all the other stuff we missed due to COVID. However, if you do get vaccinated, you still need to wear a mask, according to the CDC. I know this sounds weird, but let me explain. The NIH recently launched a study to see how effective the Moderna vaccine is at stopping transmission. The clinical trials of the Moderna vaccine showed it was effective in preventing symptomatic COVID. However, they did not show it was effective at preventing the transmission of COVID. It is unclear that if a vaccinated person has come in contact with COVID and is currently having their immune system battle it, that they can still pass it on via respiratory droplets. Dr. Fauci, chief medical advisor to President Biden, says that until the results of the study come out, to continue wearing masks to prevent potential spread. 
this study is set to conclude in about three to five months. If people keep getting vaccinated, we can reach 90% vaccination in the U.S. by July 23rd. That is four months from now. But this will only occur if we get 90% of people who are eligible to be vaccinated in this country vaccines. There are hurdles that make this difficult. One is geography. Some people live in areas with few resources to store vaccines properly. So some people might have to travel to the nearest vaccination site as they might not have one in their city. Another reason is the anti-vaccination mentality that has grown since the publication of the redacted Andrew Wakefield study. There could be a portion of the population that will refuse to get the vaccine, and this will slow down the race toward July 23rd. But if you take away anything from this episode is to please, please get vaccinated with whatever vaccine is available. Help our nation reach 90% vaccination by July. medical professional, so please consult your primary care physician for advice if you were intrigued by anything you heard today. I do all my own research, and my sources are linked in the description, so please give all those scientists your love. The intro music was done by Cooper Wood, and the artwork was done by me. You can follow me on Twitter at CP underscore capital with Emma Ives, and Instagram at at chillpill with Emma Ives. Thanks for listening to Chill Pill, and remember, be kind and wear a mask. <laughs>